0: The following podcast contains adult language and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Rod Stewart sits down with Today Show co-host Hoda Kotb for a conversation about his wild five-decade career. The singer hilariously opens up about his raucous early years, origins of his most famous songs, and his new album, Another Country. The conversation was recorded on October 29th, 2015 in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. All right, here's
1: something so funny. <laughs> All right, I've done, I've done a bunch of these 92nd Street Y talks and never, ever, ever <laughs> has it been like this today. For uh. Rod
2: Stewart. Um, Guys, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna break we're gonna break house rules. Take as many pictures as you want.
1: Okay. First of all, can we start off, can we start off by saying how good Rod Stewart looks? <laughs> And I just want to point out one other thing. I was listening to Howard Stern today and Jimmy Fallon last night, and the other thing is how good Rod Stewart sounds. Oh, nice. You really do. I mean, first of all, the fact that your voice is as powerful and beautiful. At what time were you on Howard? Was um,
2: it- well, I started warming the voice up around seven in the morning. Okay. I think the show started. The most important thing is is to warm the voice up. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's like being an athlete. You can't, you know, when you get older, you can't get up in the morning and start running. And the, and the voice is just two muscles that bang together. So they've got to be flexible, warmed up. And, How do you
1: do that? What's your warm-up routine? You
2: don't want to know. Come on, give me a little, man. a little. I have to go. Ooh, mm.
1: Just like that. Yeah. Okay, we've been waiting for new music, you guys. Haven't we been waiting a long time for some new music? All right, another country. You wrote these, right, Rod? Uh, Ten of the twelve. Okay, so what inspired you? It always comes from somewhere.
2: Well, the last album I did, Time, which did pretty well here and did remarkably well in Europe, um, there was a fan sent me a book. You may know about this, some of you. Of all the different little emails and texts that were collected, thanking the fan, fan club leader, whatever, uh, for the album. And so they sent me a copy of it, and it was so heartwarming. that I'd managed to reach so many people and they, and it really got to the, my fans. And I have to say, and I, I say this from, hold on, hold on, from, from all honesty, that
1: I, I made this album for the fans, and I really, really mean that. Now, you're, I mean, when when we heard everything about you and all the all the records you've broken and all those kind of things, when you come out with a new record, Rod, do you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, this one, I hope it does as well as the one before. I hope it does as well as this. Or do you just put it out and say, come what may?
2: Well, there's a bit of both. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of both. It's a, It's a difficult market out there now. Obviously, yeah. I'm not a youngster anymore, so there's certain areas where I'm not going to get played, and I accept that because I've had a great career and a good go at it. But, you know, as I said, I, I make albums I love, and if my fans love it,
1: then I'm, I'm happy. Love it. Yeah. You know, I can, in meeting you, I can... She spanked my bum earlier I on. did. <laughs> she did. I did. She spanked my bottom. The D- you know what's funny about Rod? When you, when you meet Rod and you guys, when we're looking at him face to face, you can picture him as a little boy. Like <laughs> I, can, I can picture it so clearly when you talked about growing up in Northern England. I can see a young Rod Stewart. Music must have been playing in your house. Did your mom sing or your dad or, or where yeah, did it come from? Uh, everybody sang really. Um,
2: <clears throat> the, uh, we
1: had big parties
2: around the Stewart household at Christmas, really big parties. And they were so big that my dad used to have to go and get timbers in the cellar to shore up the living room. (laughs) Because everybody would be dancing, you know, like that. And he was always worried about the ceiling and the floor coming in. So I was surrounded by music. And uh, uh, Al Jolson was the first guy I ever listened to, or, or was made listen to.
1: So when you when you were young when you were a little boy could you sing did you know you could sing at 5 at 7 at 10 No 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 no. not at all no, You were just no. playing you my, were just my
2: big brother who's 84 and he's wonderful Don he thinks he's the, still thinks he is he's the, the singer in the family Listen
1: <laughs> did you say to your parents at some point you know mom and dad I love singing, and your dad owned a little a little shop, right? Yeah, is that what he yeah, did for a living? Yeah. You didn't have a, a, a big life in terms of um, a big home or anything like that.
2: Uh, big in love, yeah, lots of love. No, we didn't. We were, I wouldn't say we were poor, but we, you know, life was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, and the way I got into the music, for no apparent reason, is my dad bought me a guitar. You know, I wanted, there was, this is an old story. I'm sure you all know this, but I wanted uh, a couple of engines for me, me model railroad layout. Yeah. And he'd come home with a guitar and I said, what the fuck's that? You know. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was only little. I didn't swear. <laughs> I take that back.
1: My dad will turn up there. Sorry, dad. <laughs> so he bought me a guitar. Yeah. And did you know when you started playing the guitar that this was something you were in love with? Not at all. It,
2: yeah. it, I think it lay dormant for quite a while uh-huh. before I picked it up. And then... Skiffle music happened in Britain. You know, it was, um, it was like American folk music. Ah. by this guy called Lonnie Donegan who had a big hit with a, uh, an American folk song mm-hmm. called Rock I'm the Line. And, that's, uh, and then my bigger brother, my Don, he took me to see Bill Haley and the Comets. Ah. And that's when it Do all it. fell in
1: place. I loved, I was reading a little bit about your dad. and He said um, everyone should have three things. job He said five things? Five, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I read a job. Yep a hobby, sport. and a sport. What were the other two? A good companion. A good companion. good lawyer, good. And, a good...
2: <laughs> and it was either a good accountant or a good doctor, and he said, if you haven't got one of those, the house collapses.
1: <laughs> all right, so yeah. you need them all. So you knew, you love to play, you call it football, we call it soccer, you, that was your other love when you were, when you were younger, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, I,
2: I was brought up in a house full of soccer.
1: You yeah. Know,
2: my brothers played, my uncles played, my granddad played. My mum used to wash the shirts. You know, there's 11, 11 players on a, on a oh team, and she used to have to wash them for a penny a, penny a go. You know, what was that? It'd be about half a cent.
1: You Did know. you think about soccer as being a profession? Was that something that you considered ever when you were younger? Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. all I wanted to do until music came along. Hmm. Um, but... My other two brothers were really good too, but they weren't as good as me. (laughs) uh, But I I wanted to do it for my dad because I think he thought, you know, three sons, one of them should be a pro footballer, soccer player. But uh, I fell in love with music about the same time as I was going into into soccer. So you chose. Call it soccer. Call
1: it football. Call it football. Cheers, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> so you ended up going in, into music, and did you... I, I was reading that you had a couple of jobs before you got in the music business, and I think I read something where you're, you were a grave digger. Yeah, that's, What was that Yeah, that, about? that, is, that is not...
2: It's a half-truth. Okay. I worked in a cemetery, and all I did was mark out the graves. It's something that the press ran with. Okay, you know, all right. And I, and I straightened that all out in my
1: book. Okay, what about... What about a wallpaper hanger? Is that not true? No, that's
2: not true. Who said that? No, no, no. What I used to do, I was a silk screen printer. Okay. So you have to pull the big screen down. This yeah. is really fucking boring. <laughs> and, and I just uh, you know, I, I, in a nutshell, I made
1: wallpaper. Are you colorblind? Yeah, I'm colorblind. You're colorblind and you're yeah. that fashion forward? Yeah. Like, you, do you, Who pick out there your was outfit? No, there was no way forward in that business yeah. for me. You know? <gasps> okay, you're colorblind. So how do you pick out the clothes, the outfits, the whole, all the stuff that you wear?
2: Well, I'm not, you know, I can tell the difference between yellow and green, that dress you got on there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but usually I have to check with my dear wife, Penny. I say, darling, is this all right? Is this okay? Is this okay. okay. Because I get my purples and mauves
1: and blues okay. all mixed up. Okay. So I check. Um, you 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 sang a, you sang a bunch of th- with a bunch of different groups, but the Faces was one um, that was. <laughs> Describe what that was like. I know a lot of your fans know, but a lot a lot don't. Describe what that experience was like for you, Rod.
2: It was can't remember it. <laughs> no, it it was amazing. I mean, to be in a band that was not only. We loved each other. It was a band of brothers, yeah. it really was. We all had seemed to have the same humor, same haircuts, you know, and wore the same clothes. And uh, we just recently had a reunion in London. Wow. Um, there's only three of us left now. Two of them have gone upstairs. But it was, it was magnificent, it wow. really was. And we're, we're, what we're trying to do is Woody and I spoke the other day just to try and find a window of opportunity so that we can do this Faces tour. You know.
1: Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Um, You got the faith right here. It was fun looking at some old video of, of those concerts because fans like guys here would end up on stage with you guys. It was very interactive during the concerts, after the concerts. I mean, you don't see anything like that kind of thing anymore.
2: Oh, yeah, Vegas. When I do Vegas, people come up. People come me. up? Yeah, yeah. They party with you? They party with me. And every night I, I finish the, the people, the officials at Vegas. Yeah. Don't do that again. They don't like you know. that? No, they don't like that. And it's when, it's when I try and... You know, how many of you have been to Vegas? Loads of them. So, you know, I'd kick the soccer balls out. Uh-huh. And i try and get them up on the second balcony, which is yeah. well up
1: there. <laughs> have you it's hit well it up yet? There.
2: And they'd tell me, Don't do that again. (laughs) Is that the last? I'll keep on doing it.
1: Well, when when you look at the writing process back when you were with with Faces and like they were talking about the the song "Stay with Me," and how that how that writing process came together before you guys got on stage, and a lot of times it was it was just happening just right in the back, right in the dressing rooms. Yeah,
2: it it was. It was. It was like it is now, it's spontaneous. Yeah. That's the way you know, music should be, spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with the faces, we, we did like a
1: drink, that's for sure. Yes, you did. Really did. And you did, you did like, um, there were some hotel room stories, yes. some, some famous ones, yeah. right? Well, it, the
2: reason we did this, I know it seems juvenile now when you look back on it, but we got treated so badly in the Holiday Inns, especially the Holiday Inns. <laughs> They hated us, they really did. The room service would take two hours. You know, you've just done a show, you get to bed, can I have some room service? it will come up at two o'clock. Okay. So we decided to get our own back and smash the fucking place up. Do you know, and I know this is in the book, we we got such a bad name, we checked in as Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) We did, Fleetwood Mac were unknown like we were unknown. So,
1: So. Well, when, when Maggie May happened, when that song happened, yeah. it seems like your whole your whole world changed. That was not the A side of the record, Rod. Maggie May. That no, was the wasn't. B side. Yeah, yeah. And how did it get played? How did that?
2: Well, the, first of all, it never it nearly didn't make the album. Every picture tells a story because the re- the record company said, "Nah, it's got no melody." <laughs> you know. Because we, we had eight tracks, and they said, "You got any more?" I said, "I've got this one called Maggie made." They said, "No, don't like it. <laughs> it hasn't got that little hook what they used to call the payday." Yeah. You know. They said, well, "We'll chuck it on the album anyway." I thought, "Thanks." And it was um, reason to believe the wonderful Tim Harding song was the um, was the was the A side, and it was a disc jockey in. Cleveland dude turned it over, and, You're kidding and I wouldn't be sitting here tonight
1: if it wasn't for him. Wow. Did that really change everything, that song, for you? Oh, you bet your life yeah. it did, yeah. yeah. Did, did your parents, when they, when they heard about this kind of change in your career, was this like a marked moment for your mom and dad?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, yeah, I remember the night I was driving along in uh, Hampstead, and I was doing pretty well because I was, you know, I was, you know, always earning a good living. I was driving a really old Rolls-Royce. Yeah. And when it came on you know, the radio, it said, Rod Shirt, number one, Maggie Maine Great Britain. I turned the car, <gasps> drove up to Muzzle Hill where my mum and dad lived, stormed in and just gave them the biggest hug.
1: What did they say?
2: Uh, they were, really oh. <laughs> my, da- my dad was always 100% behind me. When, ev- when everybody else had given up on me, My dad said, keep going, son, keep going, you know, you'll be all right, you'll make it. Because in those days, to be in music, it was unheard of. Yeah. You know, you you didn't have a career, you can't go into music, what else are you going to do if you fail? Which is a pretty good point, actually, because I couldn't do anything else.
1: Were you worried, were you ever worried that you weren't going to make it in the business? No, not at all. Really? Even when you had the low points? Yeah, the low points, you know...
2: Someone asked me that the other day. The difference, you know, I might be speaking out of tune here, out of tone, but the difference when we all were coming through in the 60s and the early 70s, we did it because we loved the music and it was burning, burning Mm. inside of us. We didn't do it because we wanted to get rich. We didn't do it certainly because we wanted to be famous. Mm. Unlike now, I think.
1: Yeah, now it's more of that. Yeah,
2: get yourself in the newspapers and, you know.
1: Were you always comfortable on stage from the beginning? No, I think that's, um, that's a craft you learn with time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, how scared it's, were you at one point? Like, how were sc- you talking about the Jeff Beck thing at yeah. the, with the yeah. Fillmore?
2: Yeah. Oh, man. See, I came over to America for the first time. I think it was like 68 with the Je- or 67 with the Jeff Beck group. And my idea of New York was lots of great black singers, which there probably were mm-hmm. and still are. And I thought, we were playing with the Grateful Dead. And I thought, I, <laughs> and I thought they were top of the bill. And I thought, I can't go out there. It's all going to be black faces and they're all going to look at me. Because I always wanted to sound like Otis and Sam Cooke. Yeah. And they're going to look at me and think, oh, yeah, you're a pretender, you're not really one of us. So I walked out and uh, hid behind the amps, you know. <laughs> Had a little drink and we started playing. Jeff brought in eight superstitious and Woody said, come out, have a look. So I had to come out from there. There was all like white hippies sitting there. <laughs> you know.
1: So, so you weren't scared anymore. Weren't scared anymore. No. Is there any feeling, Rod, for you in the world, like being on stage and having the crowd react to you? And you can see the it feeding oh, back and forth. Is yes. it better than anything?
2: There's no drug like it. There's nothing like it in the world.
1: Is that, is that where you're the most at home, do you think, on stage? Um, yeah, I suppose because it
2: defines who I am. You know, that's, this is, I mean, look at me. I couldn't have been anything else but a rock singer with this and, you know, <laughs> you know. So, So it defines who I am. So when I'm out there, this is me, this is my audience. This is what the good Lord put me here to do. And I firmly believe that. The Lord gave me this voice.
1: Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. And that hair, that you have some, you have some awesome hair. What is what is going on in there? What is happening <laughs> in there? What do we do? It's all mine. Have a go on. Can have a go. F-
2: go on. It's all mine. It just does what it wants to do. Yeah, it does, it does. It's, it's, had, a, it's had a busy day today. I've done so many TV shows. <laughs> So I keep putting product in it, you know, but it needs a wash now.
1: How does it feel um, like going out and promoting a new album now? I mean, because you were just with Matt Lauer. This is going to be on the Today Show coming up. You're here. You're going to be in a bunch of places. What does it feel like doing it at this stage?
2: It's it's always been nerve-wracking for me. Yeah. You know, I'm comfortable in front of my audience on the stage, but when I'm doing something like this, I'm not really as comfortable as I look. Trust me. Really? (laughs) You know, I'm not... it, but it's it's a, it's a slog, but it's worth it. You know, it's a, I have a great job. You do. But we have great we jobs. We
1: have great jobs, but so yours lucky. is better than everybody else's job. You have the best well job done. in the world. <laughs> when you when Maggie May hit and you were going off on your own, um, you're used to having your band, your posse, your guys with you. Were you um, were you nervous about? Going to ho- staying in Hollywood while all the guys were, were somewhere else. Were you were you worried about being alone? No, not at all. No,
2: no. no I had a pretty good looking bird with me called Breck. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't so bad. So with I wasn't. She. I wasn't too lonely. Right.
1: How? Okay. You. How did you meet meet her? How did you meet her?
2: Um, I went to the forum to see uh, maybe the Bee Gees or something like that. And yeah. Uh, may not have been the Bee Gees, and she was with uh, a couple of, uh, she was with, with Joan and the late Jackie Collins. Oh,
1: wow. I believe, and we were introduced. And was it right away? Did you say, I've got to take this girl out? Yeah, it was, it was hot chemistry straight away.
2: Okay. Well, a, you know, the lad from London going out with a Bond girl.
1: Blimey. What was that? I'd arrived. <laughs> what was that like? Because you were catapulted right into the yeah. middle of the heart of Hollywood. Yeah. The two of you, you're a rock star. She's a Bond girl. You guys must have taken over. We, we did,
2: but we, it was... She, she doesn't have too many good words to say for me, unfortunately. Really? She's on a heart of steel, she got. But uh, I, I, I... in. I think she was a wonderful girl. She taught me so much about art and culture.
1: So, well done, Britt. Thank you very much. And well, then you met and married Alana Hamilton. Yeah. Two beautiful kids. Yeah. Who had a reality show a while ago. They were on the show with us. Well, they yeah. they behaved. Kimberly and Sean. They did behave. They were great. Were you were you ready for fatherhood at that stage in your life? Do you think, Ron? Um.
2: Wow, that's a good question. Was I ready for fatherhood? Yeah, I suppose I would. I was, what was I, 30-something? Yeah, Yeah, 79. I wasn't ready then. I was never going to be ready. Right. The only thing was, you know, at that time I was stone broke. Really? I had a bit of a crooked manager who did me out of a few shillings. And uh, so I had to be on the road for a long time. So therefore I missed a great deal of their growing up because I was carving a career for myself. Sure. And trying to get myself out of debt. And they were a little, um, a little peeved about it, but we've sorted it all out since. Mm-hmm.
1: They understand. And was that, that, that was around the time where Do You Think I'm Sexy came out, right? Uh,
2: yeah, a little bit later. A little yeah, bit so later. 79, 80, yeah. Was that song about you?
1: No! Was the song about Rod Stewart? I mean, come on, who's
2: it about? It, it's, if you listen to it, I'm talking the third person. I'm talking yeah. about two, two couples. I suppose that the title of the song, "Do You Think I'm Sexy," I really left myself open. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you sure did. Ridicule. <laughs> yes.
1: At what point um, did your parents think to themselves, "Oh my gosh, we have a rock star son"? Did they think that at Maggie May, or did it did it happen later? When did they When did they know?
2: I, they were always sort of blasé about it. They were? Really. No, no, not blasé. I don't think that's the word. They were always down to earth, you know, oh. and, and when I'd go around and see them, which was often, you know, hello, Roddy, how you doing? You know, funny was my mum was on a, passing her way out. She'd not been well for a while. I would left the faces about 15 years before, and every time I went around there, she says, how's Ronnie? How's the faces? <laughs> she like, kept asking us. A name. little bit of dementia would Did they, um, did they ever go to your concerts? Yeah. They yeah, did? Yeah, and they always, oh, I mean, mum and dad always cried when
1: I did sailing, you know. Oh. Sailing wasn't a, wasn't a big hit here, but it was oh. massive. In England, you know. Were you different on stage when you knew they were in the audience, or did you always kind of do your thing?
2: No, no, I'd cut back on the swearing a bit. You
1: did? Oh, yeah. Why?
2: My dad never swore. He didn't drink, so uh, I'd he be very careful. He never swore. Yeah, so i get a clump around oh. the end, you, know.
1: That must have been, um, I was thinking, because the way you, you speak about your dad, um, I can't imagine what September 1990 must have been like, and that was when your, your dad passed yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you learn that news?
2: Um, it was most odd, because it was about the same time as I met my uh, second wife, Rachel Hunter, so it was mixed emotions. I'd met this wonderful girl, and, uh, me and my dad had died, the, you know, the, the thistle the tartan Scottish person in my life, you know. So um, it was, I I sort of mourned him
1: probably about 10 months later. Was it a phone call? Were you in the States when they were? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I just met uh,
1: Rachel. Rachel at the time. it was like being torn both ways. Yeah. When, I mean, I lost my dad and I remember, you remember vividly learning about it, hearing about it, what you were feeling and things that you regret and things. What did you lose that day, the day your dad passed?
2: Um, I think the Scottish connection, you know, because he was a a true Scot. And I miss that lovely football connection. I know it sounds, you know, shallow, but my dad and I were so close about football, Mm -hmm, very very much so. And I am with all my kids, all my boys. Mm -hmm. Football is the one thing we talk about a lot. Mm And he was, he was a good dad. He was,
1: he was a quiet man, hardworking. Right. Did he, was there a girl that he liked the most of the, of the women who you had relationships with? <laughs> <gasps> Just wondering, who was his favorite?
2: <laughs> um, well, he never met Penny, obviously. He never right. met Rachel.
1: Sure. Um, I can't answer that question. You can't answer man. that question. Fair enough. So you did meet Rachel. She was a Sports Illustrated model. Yes, how did you she was. Meet, how did you meet her?
2: Um, at a nightclub in Los Angeles. It was funny, in the afternoon, my personal assistant said, yeah, have a look at this bird on the television. And it was her doing a Sports <laughs>
1: Illustrated ad. you losing What's weight. What's oh, okay. Funny, that night, we bumped into each other. Oh, you did? Yeah, that same night. And what do you say to a girl? Do you walk right up and what, what do you say when you meet a girl? I say, <laughs> hello, darling, what you got in that basket?
2: So it doesn't mean anything, I know, but it's worked for years. Every single time.
1: <laughs> she, didn't even, she didn't even have a basket. But it always... <laughs> so, she, so, she was obviously smitten with you. What? No, 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 she gave me the total cold shocker. Yeah. She did? Yeah, I mean, I was, hello, darling, what you got in that basket? <laughs> she went, the fuck's it? <laughs> So, you pursued... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it take much pursuing, or was she... Uh...
2: Yeah, yes, it did. It yeah. did? Well, that night, she came back to my house in, in, in Beverly Hills. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. And, 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 and nothing happened. It was, it was wonderful, and wonderful okay. for,
1: for a few weeks. It was wow. great. Wow, okay.
2: Really lovely. What was it... I a... like the chase. You do like the Always chase. I Always loved the chase. Yeah. yeah. I like being turned down and... and uh, it just makes it more interesting. It does. Mind you, this is a long time ago. I've been married for, to a wonderful lady for 15 years. Yes, you have. 15? Has <laughs> it been? No, we've known each other for 15 years. Okay. 10 years
1: nearly. So you and Rachel. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> 10, 15. Um, I saw a video. It's a, it was a very emotional video of you singing, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? Yeah. And it was for her.
2: Yeah, I suppose at
1: that it was, point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she I was when she was interviewed after it and she said, "Oh my gosh, I, I was just I was so touched at how emotional he got." What was what was your love connection like? Cuz you, look, you've you've had great wonderful relationships it sounds like, but hers seemed unique and different when I was reading about it.
2: Um I don't know that's a difficult question to ask. Mm-hmm. I know she was she was beautiful and mm-hmm. she was very very young. I mean I was should have known better really. But, really. Um, it was it was lovely. Love is
1: unique, you know. It's it, that's the way it is. I can't really answer that question. One of the things I admire about you I have to say a lot of people when they have a broken relationship for whatever reason they get harder and they get a thicker shell. You seem to always be open to love and yeah. you you give your heart away. I mean, it sounds like this is the first girl ever who had broken up with you. Usually you were the one leaving. Yeah, it was the the only time it's happened. That was called karma. (laughs) That was called karma? Why did she, why did it end? Do you know?
2: Uh, Simple, because even my sister, when we were walking up the aisle, she said, you know he's going to break Roddy's heart, don't you? Uh To my brother. And she did, because she was just too young. And I should have known better. Uh-huh. You know, I should have known better. She hadn't, as I say in the song, Love Is, she hadn't spread her wings. She uh-huh. hadn't done things. So she was, she was living in the shadow of a big rock star and yeah. hadn't become her own person. Yes, she was. Whereas when I met Penny, she was her own person. You know, yeah. she was 20, 27, 28 when I met her, as opposed to... <laughs> Whoa! Well, hold on. Uh, Rachel was like 2021 20, when I met her. <laughs> is that the end of the show now? Can I go? <laughs> I'm, I'm dying. Your up therapy there. session. <laughs> your, your,
1: your therapy session is not <laughs> over yet. Um, so you had you had two children with with Rachel. Two, with Alana.
2: Right? two uh, And then of course there was
1: one way back <laughs> from before. How many well, in total? Let's just round it out. There's uh, there's eight. 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 Okay. Um, you you know what this is another great thing about you Rod you have a lot of great things but you remain close when when there is a when there's a breakup it's not as if there's no talking I mean I'm watching interviews long after your breakup with the women who you've been with and they talk about you lovingly they want good things for you I mean it really does most of them they seem to end okay they end well right yeah it's um
2: When there's children involved, that's obviously the only way you should be. There's always um, an acrimonious point where it actually breaks up and money comes into and it gets all. If you can get through all that, then, which we all have done. I mean, you know they all came over and cooked me Christmas dinner once. What do you mean they all? Together? All together, yeah. (laughs) Three three of them. They did? What was that like? I don't know how it happened. (laughs) It was like a bit of an accident and you know, but the next question. they all question, get along? <laughs> the, next, next question. question all on. right.
1: Oh, well, let's talk about Penny. Ah. Let's talk about Penny. You get all warm and fuzzy. Um, how did you meet Penny?
2: I've just broken up with Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, we'd, we'd just broken up a week before. Yeah. And I know it's extraordinary, but... Um, um, we were in the Dorchester Hotel and I went downstairs for a drink. I'd just done a show at Earl's Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was Penny dancing. She looked fabulous. And uh, one of her friends teased her and said, oh, I'm such a Rod Stewart fan. Would you go over and ask for his autograph? And Penny went, oh, okay. And she came over and asked for my autograph. And, uh, and
1: that was that? That was that, What did yeah. you say? What's in the basket? I said,
2: hello, darling. What's you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like your
2: line. Um, but funny enough... I said, We're going th- I'm going through a divorce, she didn't know about. But she said, I'm a photographer. And I said, well, come and take some pictures. Uh, I'm at Earl's Court. Ah. But we have to, you know, I, I do believe in keeping you know, the side of the street clean mm. while you're going through a divorce and a breakup. Mm-hmm. So I, said, I won't be able to see you, but, you know, like take some pictures and send them to me. And, yeah. uh, and my bass player, I said, give, my number, give, give your number to my bass player. And so she did, and I didn't see her for six months because the bass player said, Rod, not yet. <laughs> That's amazing. He wouldn't give me her phone number until he thought I was ready, ready. in the mind and in heart to,
1: to, to see somebody else. Okay. And do you have, how many children do you have with her? By then? Yeah. Uh, no, with, with uh, two her. with Penny. Two yeah. with Penny. Two with Penny. And how old are? I go in
2: twos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> apart from apart from Ruby. Okay. And her mother oh, was, really. is,
1: is beautiful. Kelly Emberg. Mm-hmm. She is just uh, just beautiful wow. and still is beautiful. Wow. How old are the two are the two kids that you have with Penny? The two little ones. Yeah, the little ones.
2: Four and uh, nine. Four and nine.
1: Yeah. How is father? And the
2: oldest is fifty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Near yeah. no. <laughs> <and> my penis.
1: <laughs> Near my winkle. Your winkle? My winkle. Oh my God. So how. <laughs> how? Oh! <laughs> Is, I mean, How is fatherhood different with the children that you have now, the, the four-year-old, the young ones? Um, how are you different as a dad? Oh, it's,
2: it's night and day, I uh, bet. Yeah, right? Night and day, you know. I, uh, for instance, um, as I said earlier, the old days I used to just go on tour. Yeah. I had to earn money. Now I do the tours in the kids' school holidays so that they can more or less be with me if they want to. Wow. <coughs> the two younger ones. So there's a big difference, you know. Okay. But with with eight kids, you've you've got to be eight different fathers, really, because mm-hmm. they're all so different in age.
1: How many of them sing?
2: Um, Ruby's probably the only one okay. that's tried to sing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, obviously the other two little ones are too young. Yeah. But they've they've all got great careers. My Liam, my my son, he's a handsome bugger. He is. Yeah, he's uh, he's playing hockey. Is he? Um, Ruby's a, a great singer. Kimberly is loving motherhood. So I've got one granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Sean wants to open a bar somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> somewhere. Bless him. And Renee is studying uh, classical and jazz
1: dance in London. Oh, wow. So they're all scattered around. Wow. Would you um, encourage your young ones, if they were interested in music, would you say this is a great career, I think you should do it, or would you just...
2: Oh, yeah. Do yeah. Of course I would, yeah. It, um, I'd w- I would also advise that
1: it's going to be tough. Nowadays, yeah. it's really going to be how, tough. How, why do you think it's a lot tougher now?
2: Um, everybody wants to be in a band or, or be a singer. When when we all started in the sixties, as I said earlier, it was somewhat of a novelty. Yeah. You know, and uh, it. Uh, but nowadays, it's Fame. every other day is a band and thousands of bands coming out. It's 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 there's too much stuff.
1: And it looks, you do think that people just want to be famous. I think it's, yeah. I think every now and then, and we know just on our show, when someone loves the music, you know right when they arrive. And when someone is there for the show,
2: yeah. you
1: know them, yeah. you know them too. Yeah. All right. I know the audience has a lot of questions. Do we Yeah, some, steady. <laughs> uh, I think we have some over here. Let's, let's take some of these. Oh, God. Oh, no, you these go. are all gonna be. No, boxers or briefs? Sorry, I just read the questions as um, they come in. Usually,
2: usually, yeah, right. Not with my tummy. Uh, uh, briefs.
1: Briefs. Yeah. Good to know. All right. Barb from Facebook. What is the era of your career that makes you cringe the most?
2: Oh, Probably when I released um, Tonight's the Night when I was going out with Britt Eklund. She made me wear lots of makeup. And, what? You know.
1: Why? She wanted you to... Well, it was also
2: very look. trendy at that point yeah, to wear it makeup. It never, it never suited me. It always made my nose look bigger. <laughs>
1: <You know. laughs> Which period makes you the most proud? The proudest?
2: Uh, oh, right now. Yeah, right now.
1: What is it? Why? Tell me. Well...
2: I mean to be honest with you. I mean, you, I mean, your career should be on the wane now but at my age, and it's the last two albums have been so successful, and I've got more energy now than I've ever had in my
1: life. You it's know. amazing. What do you do? What are you eating? Like, what's your normal? Do you exercise? What's happening?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I've had a great trainer, Gary, for 15 years, yeah. and uh, you know, not every day I want to do it. I do a lot of cycling.
1: A lot of rowing and a lot of swimming. I okay. can't run too much now because it's knee, your knees. knees what, about, what about, what do you eat? Are you on some kind of a special thing? Not
2: really. I try not to eat too much bread yeah. and too much sugar. Okay. Uh, I still like a drink. Of course <laughs> you do.
1: <laughs> of course you do. All right. Is there someone dead or alive you would like to sing with? Sam Cooke. Yes. Yeah. Without even blinking, right? Yeah. That's a good one. All right, what singer-entertainer influenced you the most growing up?
2: I would say all the great black artists of the
1: day, you know, from
2: Muddy Waters to John Lee Hooker, Mm. Sam Cooke to Otis Redding, David Ruffin of The Temptations. David Ruffin, wow. And and actually, David was a friend of mine. Was he? And there's a great, you know, he was a singer of The Temptations. Yeah, of course. And and there's a great picture I've got at home where we're both looking into each other's throats, trying to work out why his voice, his black voice, was better than my white voice. <laughs> it's great,
1: we're really close to each other, I'm looking down his throat. We he should... was he was the greatest, you know. Just before we came on, um you got a text or a, an email from Elton John talking yeah. about, this is so cool. He was just talking about just watching you on Fallon. He was making jokes about it. Yeah. But a lot of artists must look at you and think, where does all this energy, this juice, that voice, the yeah. fact that it's still there and preserving, where's it coming from? But he had a lot of fun with you, didn't he? Yeah, you yeah, he does. That email. He,
2: we've, um you know, there was a, a long period where we didn't communicate with each other and that's just the reverse now. We, we, yeah. we were t- emailing each okay. other each day. He's a great guy. I love him. The most generous man I know on this earth. Right. He really is. Do you know the story about one Christmas? Tell me. When, uh, when we were both living in London in the 70s, right? And uh, he came, I came to his place and I bought him an ice, an ice bucket. But it wasn't just an ice bucket. Pressed the button and, uh, and the tray came out with your champagne and your glasses. Okay. I paid 300 quid for it. And I thought, well, that's, that's a lot of money, 300 quid. Do you know what he came round my house with? What? A Rembrandt. <laughs> <laughs> a Rembrandt.
1: And he's, he's, never, he's never forgiven me. He's, he's the most <laughs> generous guy. Let's talk a little bit more about Another Country, your new, uh, your new CD. Yeah. Tell me what inspired you uh, to write this, and tell me about some of the songs.
2: Um, well, as I said, you know, that wonderful book I got from all the fans encouraged me, really encouraged me to do it again. And also the success, which gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. And once you got the confidence, you think, well, if it had gone down the toilet... I probably wouldn't have written another song. Mm -hmm. But it it did do very well and and the fans loved it and that gave me the confidence to go on and do it. But it's a personal album. I mean, there's a song on there about putting my son to bed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only four. There's a song on there about, you know, stories I heard from my brothers and sisters about growing up in in London after the war. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I mean, I was was just born after the war. Um, You know, it's just a real personal album. I'm very
1: proud of it. Hmm. Very proud.
2: There's a song on there about lots of, all the drinking I used to do. Oh, really? The drinking song. Yeah, the drinking song. Right, yeah. like
1: that one. Awesome. Okay. Here's something from Doris Noel. Who is your favourite female vocalist?
2: Oh, from the past? Any, either. Oh, you know, Tina Turner's got to be my old Yeah. Time. And uh, i got to tell you, Adele. Adele.
1: Adele. Tremendous, yeah. She's got boy. Well, her yeah. new song. Do you like yes. that new one, Hello? I haven't heard it yet, but I bet it's good. Oh, she's fabulous. She is amazing. Okay, let's see. What was it like touring with Stevie Nicks? Saw the show and is awesome. That's from Andrew.
2: She was. Uh, she's a complicated girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she really is. No, I mean that in the nicest possible way. She's, a, she's very complicated and yet a nervous, frightened individual. Hmm. about being out there, you know. And I used to tell her after the shows, it's quite extraordinary. Can I get up? Yep. You know, she does this thing, you know, she'll stand at the mic and she'll be singing. She don't move very much, but she'll do this. (laughs) The fucking house breaks up. It's amazing. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. They love her, you know. And she is one of the few acts, you know, she went on before me. When she went on, place was
1: full. Absolutely. Full, wow. She's an absolute genius. I love her dearly. Awesome. Okay. What is your favorite song to sing in concert?
2: All of them. Really? All of them. mate. Really? They're all, As I say, they're all my kids. Yeah. I, I, I gave birth to them and, you know, put them out in the world and see
1: how they get on. So they're all my favorites. Thank From you. Phil Wood via Facebook. No, Phil. Phil wants to know. Who was Maggie May? Oh, no. It was yes. my first ever shag.
2: <laughs> my first ever shag. You know what that means, don't you? I do. It's not, I a, car- do. It's not a carpet. You I know.
1: Do. It's <laughs> not a carpet. So does she know? She, no, no, you, no, no, no? She, she know, no. She doesn't know. She doesn't know?
2: It was a, the uh, Bewley Jazz Festival. We used to have jazz festivals. There was no rock and roll. Okay. It was all jazz. And... Um, she was a slightly overweight woman, I would say, in her, in her mid-30s. In her mid-30s? How yeah. old were you? Um, very, very little and humble. And I would say... Were you a teenager? S- 17.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yep. She took me in her tent. <laughs> 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 and I made a nasty mess, and it was all over in three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Okay. Of all your hit songs, which one was the most surprising? P.S. I love you, Rod. Um, so, which was the most surprising? The one that surprised you
2: the most? Oh, obviously, it would have been Maggie May because yeah. it was—it you know nobody really liked it. and It was thrown on the album, and so when did it did you like it hit, though?
1: Even though they didn't, was I, it, I
2: I I loved it because it was a story. Uh-huh. I've always tried to write my songs. Have always had a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. So it was a story, and I always had
1: faith in it. Uh, but okay, we got a couple funny more. old business. It really can't is. trust record companies. <laughs> Annie Martineau says, besides uh, fights about footballs, what's the craziest thing you've seen happen in the audience from the stage? Uh oh.
2: Oh, God. Well, no, the, the, the football thing is quite yeah. frightening. Yeah. It really is. And I do ask people to try and be careful, yeah. but they love those footballs coming out. They love right. Them yes. So much, you know. And they're all signed, yeah. No, I can't think of uh, anything else, really. There's a lot of that used to go on, you know. <laughs> Not so much anymore.
1: Okay. Rod, you've been quoted as saying you have, quote, the greatest fan club on the planet. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Joanne wants to know how important are your fans to you?
2: Well, I think I've made that fairly obvious, you know, because they wrote to me, I responded with this second album, that's how much they mean to me, and I, and I, I tell you, listen, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, this album was made with you in mind, it really was.
1: It really was. Beautiful. Uh, do you get inspiration for writing in the shower, on the toilet? Who is out there uh, on the mountaintops? They want to know. Um, they want to know where you get some inspiration. When, a, where does it come well, to you? It's
2: it's all around me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, uh, there's there's a reggae song on the new album called mm-hmm. "Love and Be Loved," mm. and that was uh, one of the, the the lines. The girl, of Pistorius he murdered his, his girlfriend with yeah. they shot yeah. her in South Africa. Yeah. And they had a telephone conversation she was having with her mom, I think. And she said, all I wanna do is be loved, love and mm. be loved, love and be loved. Oh God, that's a song. So it's titles, I write them down. When I hear somebody say something, I'll write
1: it down. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, how they, that's how the songs are born. Will there be another CD after this one, do you think, Rod?
2: Oh well, yeah, I think if this one does, people-
1: Come on! We want to point out you guys that the new CD Another Country happens to be ab- uh, available for sale right in the lobby. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what a great night this has been. Can we <laughs> hear it for Rod Stewart. Uh, Thanks guys. I give you a hug. Thank, Thank you, Johnny. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. 92Y Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations on 92yondemand.org.